Listen and subscribe to the Growth Craft Startup Community Podcast on all the major podcast players, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere where podcasts are available. And leave a five-star review if you like it. We need those reviews to grow the show, and it's the easiest way to help us grow the show that you can do right now. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Podcasts or Spotify, and leave a five-star review for the Growth Craft Startup Community Podcast. And tell all of your friends who are entrepreneurs to take a listen. And thanks. Hello. My name is Hayson Sorrells. Uh, this over here is Tom Living. Welcome back, everyone. And you are listening uh, to the Growth Craft Podcast. The Growth Craft Podcast is designed with the startup founder in mind. This podcast, this thing that you're experiencing right now in your ears, is committed to growing your connections to our Growth Craft advisors, increasing your engagement overall with the Growth Craft community, and to growing your knowledge about all of the benefits that Growth Craft can provide for your startup project. We can't wait to bring you along on our journey today. Now, here on the podcast, we interview startup founders, advisors, and others about their journey, their process, their project, and of course, about all of the value that GrowthCraft can provide to them, and in some cases, the value they provide to GrowthCraft. And today, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Charlie Pascal. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm well. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. So, for our listeners, for our viewers, uh, for those watching on uh, on YouTube or whatever platform they happen to be watching it on or listening on whatever device they may happen to be listening on, tell us a little bit about who you are and what do you do exactly? Well, as you noted, um, or maybe you didn't note yet, I am uh, I'm an attorney and I've been practicing law for about 15 years now, um, uh, the last decade of which has been focused almost exclusively on the startup community, um, often referred to as ECVC. I've represented emerging companies and, and venture capitalists for, for some time and really enjoy um, uh, this industry in that it's, it's, it's super exciting, it's fast, um, it's, it's an incredible um, um experience to be, you know, often, you know, the third or fourth or sixth member of a, of an early team and, and being involved at the, you know, at the ground level, um, it gives me, uh, kind of saved me from, um, exiting the, uh, the legal practice, which otherwise can be tremendously boring. So you, you actually just answered what my question was going to be, Charlie. So I was going to ask you what, you know, cause we typically ask people what, what the catalyst is, like what starts this for you uh, about going into your venture and, and for you being an attorney, I, I really wasn't interesting. I really wasn't interested in finding out why you became an attorney, but why the focus on startups was going to be intriguing to me, but you seem to have answered that a little bit. So I'm going to spin it just slightly and uh, and ask you, why would you venture out on your own versus staying with a larger firm? Because I know our, our audience doesn't know this yet, but you've recently decided to go out on your own and start your own firm, which I commend you for, because I think that's a tremendous uh, leap of faith on your part. But but why? Why why now and why that leap of faith and, and what 
prompted you to do that to start rather than staying with a bigger firm? Sure. So after, you know, gaining very valuable experience and building uh, um, very uh, solid and um, continuing relationships with um, lawyers at the firms I've been at, um, you know, most recently at uh, the law firm that I, I just left, I had focused primarily on, you know, more of a traditional approach um, that lawyers used to kind of take in, in building their own their own practice within the firm. It, 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 it still it still largely is the case, but I built up a you know a number of client relationships that were very strong, um, and I was really the only or the primary point person that they were working with. So it was a very um, you know, a personal relationship, I would say, you know, with me, you know, guiding their, their enterprises. And you now to some degree, I don't know if it's a little bit of FOMO or just drinking the startup Kool-Aid for so long, but, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty infectious. And the idea of having, you know, more independence, both in terms of how I like to operate, um, you know, as a legal advisor, as well as to, you know, in turn benefit the clients, uh, largely in terms of, you know, post-COVID, um, you know, not having to have overhead for office space or, you know, uh, employ full-time staff. You know, there's a lot of ways to connect clients with the appropriate advisors without having them um, be a part of one firm or, or another. So a lot of what I do, um, you know, I'm so I'm really a, you know, general corporate, you think of me as outside counsel or outside general counsel uh, to companies. And, you know, at, at certain points, um, I do need uh, expertise, specialized, you know, attorney guidance, whether it be tax or or intellectual property, uh, or FDA regulations, stuff like that. Um, when that time is appropriate, and and I need that additional guidance for the client and myself, I will bring in um, folks, typically, you know, those that I've known and and worked with from prior firms that I know I can I can trust, and and, and that they're going to deliver a level of service similar to my own. Um, but being able to to limit that to the instances in which it makes sense and is necessary, I can both limit you know my overhead and the client's budget as well. So you know some of these, uh, depending on the the reason for bringing them in, they might be you know very expensive uh, lawyers at top firms uh, that I wouldn't normally um, encourage a client to uh, to work with just because you know the rates are pretty consistent across firms and they and they can be very very high no matter what you know, lawyer you're working with. So by, you know, sort of turning the whole, um, which firm do you need to work with to having, you know, uh, sort of like a quarterback, you know, much like a general counsel at a company, whether it's public or private, you know, they do the same things. Um, you know, they're there to, you know, kind of make sure everything's, um, you know, overall kind of from the macro level that things are operating correctly, that you're, you know, you know, governing the company properly, et cetera. And then when there's a lawsuit or, you know, there's, again, a specialized need, they'll call on uh, outside lawyers to come in and, and, and help them with the issue. So that brings up another, another question that um, we typically ask later, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and ask um, now um, because, well, we kind of opened the door to, to this question. So. Uh-oh. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is how it begins. Um, first there's wing and there's eyeing and then there's running. You're screaming. 
I love Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so when we think about the ways in which lawyers interact with um, clients, right? Um, lawyers and doctors are, are similar in 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 in, in, uh, in are obviously different in a number of ways, but they're similar in one basic way. No one really wants to call them until they got a problem. And then when they do call them, they want the problem solved as, as, as quickly as possible. So describe for us, obviously, without, you know, you know, damaging confidentiality or anything like that um, or ethics and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm not dismissing ethics, but you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> what are some typical problems that you will see or that you have encountered um, in the course of the last 15 years with startups um, or individuals who are going into the startup realm who are starting their own projects? That's an A question. And the B question is, how do you resolve those problems um, when you are uh, when you're asked to come in? Sure. Well, much like a, a physician or uh, or other, you know, um, doctor, I, I'd say you kind of do need to be on call all the time. There, there are emergencies that need to be dealt with um, immediately and 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 proactively. However, my strategy is more to get founders and executive teams comfortable with keeping me in the conversation, you know, whether it be through attending board meetings or, or executive meetings and, you know, kind of being trusting that, you know, because they're communicating with me about what's going on and what they're thinking that, that, you know, they shouldn't be fearful, fearful of, of the bill running up that those are more business level strategy type discussions. And the reason uh, I take that approach is to, you know, as best I can to head off those potential emergencies or those crises uh, before they ever come up. So, you know, in a lot of cases, it's, it's rare that, you know, there's truly something that comes out of nowhere that we shouldn't have anticipated and, and been planning for. So even if it, it comes up at a time when we weren't, we weren't expecting it, we should have contemplated the potential, the potential issue, whether it be a, you know, a breach of contract or, you know, an, an executive leaving or, or something like that. And that we, you know, we have talked about, you know, the different ways in which we, uh, we would handle that and, and we're more prepared, but in general, you know, I, I try to be as involved as possible in regular, you know, goings on at, at a company so that I can, you know, kind of chime in and say, well, but what did you think about this, you know, potential consequence? And that often sparks a larger discussion of, of ways to either mitigate or maybe alter course a bit. You know, it's it's not normally a no, don't do that, or you can't do that, but it's let's let's think through three steps down uh, the road, you know, based on experience that I've had with with others. Um, so that's that's really um, the way I kind of um, handle damage control. You know, it's sort of on the front end, and hopefully less uh, less on the back end. So to, well, first of all, I just want to make sure I want to make a statement here. I was always told uh, that there's only two people you never, ever lie to. And those are the two people that you guys just brought up, you know, your doctor and your lawyer. Everybody else can go fry. But those two people you never lie to anyway. Uh, and I still find that to be true, by the way, on all the interactions I've ever had with an attorney. I, I feel I, I, I got to tell them everything. Right. Sometimes they know too much. But <laughs> uh <laughs> But I wanted to talk a little bit about something, a little bit of a left turn and a uh, and a little bit of a backup. Uh, when 
because I thought Hasan was going to go in this direction with this last question. Not that it wasn't a good one, Hasan. It was a good question, but I got a different one because the name of your your new firm, and, and I'll let you tell everybody what the name of the firm is in a second, but it leads me to think that it's not strictly uh, legally based, right? Like that, that you're going to open up the, the spectrum a little bit and help companies with, um, well, quite honestly, the way I look at it, it doesn't really matter what they have a problem with. As long as they tell you what the problem is, you can help them find the solution. Can you talk a little bit about the company name and, and what that really uh, entails on the on from a holistic perspective for a startup? Sure. So the the firm is called Pascal Advisory, and I you know uh, deliberately you know picked a name that was somewhat ambiguous. Not that my name isn't important, but that it's not you know, traditional, you know, um, sort of law firm lingo, uh, because my approach is 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 very uh, close to what you were sort of hinting at. It's more of an overall advisory um, concept in that, you know, I think too often, you know, and part of it's the way, you know, the, you know, the, the culture and the and law school and, and the way you kind of come into the profession, but that it's, you know, lawyers see themselves as being limited to addressing legal questions and and with you know somewhat concrete uh, answers. And for me, it, it's it's particularly with a startup. You know, it's it's messy, it's fast, it's um, it's always um, you know there's always curveballs, and to sort of bifurcate your relationship with the client to be call me when you have a legal need um, is is. Is not only not as productive as it could be, but is is somewhat detrimental. You know, working with you know hundreds of of early companies uh, over the years, I've learned a lot about not only how to you know um, structure or, or document certain transactions, but also why certain business choices or uh, missteps uh, happen and and what the fallout is. So I try to bring not only my legal experience, but that and as a general um, business advisor to the equation so that it's, you know, I, and in fact, I, I, when people do come to me and say, Hey, can you just look at this contract quickly? You know, it's, it's always stop, you know, I need to know how this fits into the overall organization. You know, what's the, what's the, how, how big of a spend is this? How, how important is this relationship? Right. Because I can't in a vacuum, you know, I can go and check the the boxes and, yep, governing law is right, you know, this and that, the party's names are right, blah, blah, blah. But without understanding what the purpose is and what the the hopeful short and long-term goals of, of that um, potential, you know, business relationship or transaction is, I can't, you know, really evaluate it and provide the same kind of advice I would if I had the, the other pieces of the puzzle. So, you know, a lot of people want to, you know, get off the phone as quickly as possible or keep the email to just, hey, give this a quick flip and and get back to me. Um, but that's not something um, uh, I like to do. And and it's in the beginning, it's a bit challenging to, to, to coach clients to be comfortable with, you know, deciding to pick up the phone rather than to avoid it uh, because, you know, you know, getting the lawyers, it means something's wrong or that it, you know, it's going to be really expensive. And, um, you know, over time, people get more comfortable and understand that the, you know, I, I, I like to think that my input on a, on an issue that may not be 
technically legal or or legally um, implicit in, in in what they're trying to do, um, that I can bring uh, certain um, advice and and real world examples to to the conversation, which um, I think brings uh, a lot more value. Join us online via Zoom at the Growthcraft Startup Community Founders Forum each third Tuesday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Look, advisors and founders, we're, we're all in this together. Building relationships with your peers and entrepreneurship is just as important as connecting with experts and advisors. Each month, every third Thursday, we'll meet online via Zoom to share ideas, get support, support each other, and talk about universal issues that nearly all startups share. We'll celebrate our victories, chat about challenges, and then break out into small groups to address a timely topic of interest. It's a great way to meet like-minded entrepreneurs. Check out the links to the third Tuesday events on the Growthcraft website and join us at the Growthcraft Startup Community Founders Forum in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. So speaking of value, um, this is an, I'm gonna the next question I'm going to ask you again a little bit a little bit off sort of where we would normally go, but um, something that you brought up there in talking about contracts and in um, in context and uh, addressing client concerns um, in a particular context so that you can give them a full range of advisory services and provide them a full range of advice, right? I'm going to ask this question out of my own personal background. So um, I'm trained in conflict resolution and reconciliation and negotiation work done a lot of divorce and family mediations, done a lot of negotiation work and coaching with folks in a business context and in an interpersonal context. And usually those two contexts <laughs> overflow, um, particularly in a startup uh, where the emotions are, to your point, high. Things are moving very, very quickly. And sometimes the people that are <clears throat> hired to work in a startup or are coming alongside that project are people where the relationship was built first and the business came second. Mm-hmm. Um, I can talk about challenges that I've seen with negotiation. <laughs> the biggest one being people often don't know, they don't know how to negotiate because they don't know what to ask for. But talk a little bit about, if you would, sort of what you see in negotiation, um, what you have seen in your experience, and um, how should a startup founder approach negotiation even from that that first you know client interaction, uh, or even sooner than that, in that first that first co-founder maybe interaction. Sure, um, you know I think generally, you know, relationships, um, yeah, particularly in startups, you know, it does start as you know it's a roommate or a, or or a school friend you know, or a professor, you know, you, you, you have some, what starts as kind of just a, a neat idea or what if, and all of a sudden things, you know, um, you're a year later and it's like, oh, wait, we didn't talk about who was getting what equity or, you know, now this thing's got some legs What you know, what, what comes next. And that can spark, um, you know, some um, troubles in the relations, the personal relationship, as well as that of the organization. And so much like I would approach a negotiation um, on behalf of a client or together with a client, um, first, I think it's important to make it as, to limit the adversarial nature of it as much as possible. You know, a lot of lawyers like to tout that, you know, they're 
you know, they're going to fight and, you know, they're going to argue for every, you know, uh, last ounce. Um, that's not, that's not always productive and it can not only uh, drag out time and, and expenses, but it, 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 it can either kill or, or, you know, delay the, the business arrangement that, that, that needs to happen fairly quickly. So especially, you know, if I'm on the other side of a, with a lawyer that, um, has that uh, similar mentality. It gets harder when they, you know, uh, want to kind of lock horns. But I try to approach it as, hey, we're both, you know, but our clients want to, you know, um, to get this done, and they both see it as an interest to both organizations. We need to work together uh, to push this forward as, um, as as smoothly and and productively as we can. You know, certainly there's going to be issues that need to be um, worked through. There's going to be um, certain discussions that are going to take, you know, a, a slightly more serious and, and adversarial tone, but limiting those instances to the ones in which your client's best interest really, um, really rests and, and, and sifting out the smaller ones that, you know, while a contract could be tighter or you could have more, you know, um, you know, representations or warranties from one side or the other, and this goes to also understanding the the more global uh, context of of where that contract or joint you know venture uh, relationship is headed. And so, if you understand the you know your client's major goals of 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 that contract or that transaction, then I can take a more of a you know um, an amicable um, you know approach to the to the horse trading so so to speak. You know where I you know. Um, you know, let the stuff go that, that, you know, because the trouble with trying to fight for everything is that you, you sort of lose credibility on the, on the stuff that you really care about. And so by, you know, sort of saying, look, all your changes are fine, but I really, you know, I really have an issue with the indemnification clause or, you know, um, or what have you um, can, can, you know, sort of give me that extra credibility that, well, they're just asking for this one thing. Right. And, um, but I see it as, as as a big win for the client because I've I've taken the time to understand what what is important in terms of things potentially going sideways and and how that could impact them. I was always I was always told that there's only that there's only two ways that that a negotiation should end: either both parties are really happy or both parties are really upset. If there's anything else, then it didn't work. <laughs> like, if both parties are equally upset, you probably did a good job. You probably both did a good are job. Equally happy, you probably did a good job. But um, uh, so, Charles, so let me let me let me turn this um a little bit more uh, personal for you. Like, so most people would talk about lawyers, and, and I hate the term dime a dozen. I, but but let's just say there's a lot of attorneys out there. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity for people to pull up Google and say, I need an attorney near me and they get a list of 20, 30, 50, whatever that number is. So, so why, why you, why would somebody want to work with you? Like, why, why are you the best choice for uh, specifically the startups? Cause I, I know that's where you're, you're hyper-focused. So, so why is it, why is a startup better off choosing you over, over other attorneys that are available out there? Well, I'd start by saying, uh, I can almost aside from you. the fact that you're awesome. I don't want to, you know, I mean, let's just get past that one. Just the, the awesome factor and, and the beard pretty much the beard yes because when you much. shaved that off it really struck me as odd but whatever yeah, we'll but, move past know. that 
<laughs> uh, I'll start by saying, you know, I'm not the best fit for every startup. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the right match for every founding team for every uh, industry. You know, um, and to your, you know, sort of opening with, you know, open the yellow pages or I guess the Google the Google pages now. I I would try not starting from that point if you can, because the way almost everybody finds me is that they're recommended to them by someone in the community who has worked with me, whether as a client or um, even, you know, uh, on the opposite sides of deals, you know, often, um, you know, because I, I try to be as involved as possible in, in, in the, uh, the governments of the company that, you know, that that's appreciated to a level that even, you know, uh, someone on the other side of a deal or a contract, you know, appreciates that things, you know, didn't get, there weren't as many speed bumps as they expected that I wasn't, you know, um, laying down on the tracks for every little, every little issue. But I would say, you know, you know, test your network, you know, or feel out your network, you know, try, try to try to start, you know, the the sort of the, um, you know, the roadmap of, you know, hey, you know, who do you who do you know that might, you know, have a good, you know, corporate type attorney and they say, you know, well, I, I don't know for sure, but my buddy, you know, did a startup and maybe talk to him and, you know, it's a I'm in Boston. I mean, I have clients in Europe and California and Texas. Um, but primarily it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a smaller community here in, in Boston. And as you, you know, go through your career, you, you cross a lot of paths and hopefully you don't, um, you don't burn bridges and, you know, you've got a reputation, you, you, um, you know, whether it be again, client, you know, organic client referrals or uh, from other professionals that I rely on, you know, it's, again, it's not just a legal network. It's, you know, it, it's accountants, it's, 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 it's marketing consultants. It's, you know, it, it, it's a, it, it takes a village, so to speak. And it's not, certainly not just lawyers. Um, and the less lawyers, probably the better um, in terms of uh, startup, you know, um, speed and, 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 uh, and, uh, and friction and all that. So, so no, am I the best? No. And, and certainly personalities matter a lot. You know, when I have my initial, you know, uh, kind of intake conversations with clients. If I don't feel that the rapport is right, you know, or that, you know, it's all about cost or it's, it's all about, you know, I'm only going to, you know, call you when, you know, there's a clear legal, you know, uh, issue or we get sued or something. It's probably not the right match. Um, I, I, you know, uh, you know, you give it a chance, you know, but, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's better to identify that you know, it's just like any other relationship. Um, you know, you're to some degree, you're, you're kind of getting married. You're, you're going along with the venture. You're, you're taking a risk to some degree, you know, clients, startup clients are often bootstrapping money's tight. And, you know, for me, it's, it's the long game. And sometimes that long game means um, I'm successful um, on the client's, you know, next venture. Um, these things always don't work out and often they, often they don't. So, you know, building a, you know, that solid, you know, uh, relationship in the beginning and knowing the client has the same or, a, you know, is aligned with sort of the view of how the relationship is going to go forward is is very important to me. And so I would say, you know, when I am the right fit, it's because there's a, there's a consensus on on sort of the relationship of, of corporate counsel to the company. And, you know, whether it be, you know, fees or, 
or you know some other issue um we'll deal with them you know we'll we'll figure out you know if we need to defer things or you know or agree to disagree on on certain points but there's got to be there's got to be uh, an implicit level of trust somewhat from the beginning and if that isn't building um and instead is deteriorating then um it doesn't work very well no that makes <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense and, and you know i see that with um with coaching you know leadership teams in startups um or coaching individuals um in startups as well um that relationship is 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 uh, is critical um to your point uh for success it's also critical for getting the advice to land correctly right because you have to actually they have to believe they, the other party has to believe that you have their best interest, um, their best interest. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's often a presumption that the lawyer, if you bring the lawyer into the conversation, it's going to make it harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to slow things down. They're going to get in the way. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube kind of thing. And, you know, being mindful of, you know, professional ethical duties, et cetera, you know, it, it's, it's the client's decision largely, you know, they're, they're I'm not driving the boat. Um, but I can say, hey, there's a reef over there, and I I would probably you know turn <laughs> turn this way, steer, steer left, steer left, steer left back into the channel. But you know, if you run into the rocks, I'll I'll help you rebuild the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really you know they are in control, and the more they know that I'm there to not to be a a, a roadblock, not to you know. Uh, tell them that everything they want to do is a problem, uh, the more they're, they're willing and eager to get my input on certain things. Cause it's just that it's, it's, it's very rare that it's a black and white. You can't do that, you know, right. and there are all those situations. There's fiduciary duty responsibilities. There's honoring contracts. There's, there's, there's things that I won't, I won't go on board with, but right. generally uh, if it's a business decision that has potential legal implications or, you know, certainly, you know, risky business implications. My job is to identify those and to make sure that the the, the team is going in eyes open and they make the decision. Well, and I'm glad how you pointed out that people look at, sometimes people will look at lawyers or legal advice as sort of a slap on the hand, right? Um, you know, and that's not always necessarily so. Um, you know, I found in my experience, whenever I've had to, you know, either get legal counsel or go you get the advice of legal counsel for anything that I've done, whether it's in uh, my businesses and my personal life, family, whatever. Um, you know, th- what Charlie's saying is ab- absolutely correct. You know, you the, typically a good lawyer or a lawyer that's worth their worth their weight will offer you a suite of options. We'll say these are these are the these are the outcomes <laughs> based upon the options that are available to you. Um, you know, dealer's choice. What do you want to do? Um, and then it's kicked back into, into your court. I think fundamentally, um, for startups, that relationships work, that relationship tends to work a little bit, tends to work a little bit better. You already talked about that, but I also tend to think that it, it makes the startup founder feel more empowered because they're making decisions all the time anyway. Right. Um, so it's not just a legal decision. It's also um, a regulatory one, then a financial one, then a marketing one, then a sales one, then a personnel one. And then they're back in the rotation again. And that's all happening could be happening within an hour, you know, in that, in that particular founder environment. Um, and so there's the, the great challenge there is to kind of get out of that founder's way. Right. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's not a slight at, at, at founders of early companies, particularly those doing it for the first time. But, you know, it seems obvious, but it's often not, you know, and and, and that is the very fact that you don't know what you don't know. And if right. you've never run a company, if you've never been on a board of directors before, you know, you can very easily brush off um, responsibilities and obligations that you didn't know you had. And some of those are difficult to fix. And um, all of a sudden you find someone, you know, I'm just, you know, I was the creator of this product, you know, I run the company. What do I, you know, I can do whatever I want. And when you get to a certain point, particularly when you have outside investors, um, you you have a real, a great responsibility to do what's not only in what you think is the best interest of the company, but in uh, on behalf of those those stakeholders as well. And so typically, you know, it only takes a couple of those, oh crap, I, I have to do what? Or I have to, you know, think about, you know, these factors where it's like, we better, you know, let's bring Charlie into the conversation and make sure there aren't any, um, you know, hidden uh, gotchas here that we can, we can identify, you know, before we step into the, into the poop, you know, it's like, um, so it kind of comes back to the same thing that having this level of trust that I'm not there to, you know, just to burn time and rack up fees, but that even a quick conversation, um, could save them from, you know, a, a potential, you know, if not nightmare, you know, a, a thorny situation that they're going to have to then pay more fees, uh, to extract themselves from. And sometimes it's I, as simple as structuring the company in the beginning, you know, how are you awarding equity? Uh, when do you award equity? You know, um, you know, following certain steps is is uh, is critically important, particularly in the beginning. And as you onboard folks and and grow the company, you know how you um, how you compensate them. For example, you know, great thinking about tax consequences. Um, you know what what you know awarding tons of options can do to the cap table. What you know, there's there's just myriad examples that I could come up with, but you don't know what you don't know, and not that I know everything, but if I don't know, then I'm going to find the person that does, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out together. Join the GrowthCraft Startup community online via Zoom each first Tuesday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time for Expert Tuesdays. With Expert Tuesdays, you'll hear from one of our top-notch expert advisors and thought leaders in an informative workshop or presentation focusing on a topic important to emerging and growing companies. From sales and marketing to storytelling and leadership, in this hour-long monthly session, you will be able to connect with the GrowthCraft community, advisors, founders, and others. And you'll learn entrepreneurship skills you can apply to your startup project uh, right now. Check out the links to the GrowthCraft website to join us on Expert Tuesdays in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. And thanks. I, th I think it's the most under... Uh, appreciated version of the legal field, which is that risk mitigation, right? It's mm -hmm. like trying to get trying to get you to see some foresight in your decision making process. If like it's one of my favorite things to talk to, it's like, so if I go this route, what are the pros and cons? And you tell me the pros and cons, and then I go, okay, what if I go this route? Pros and cons. Now I'm making a way more informed decision versus, mm -hmm. and the fact that I'm asking you those questions give you indication as to, again, to your point, how do you advise me the next? version of this the, the next because because of the way you saw my thought process you already have s some sort of guidance that's coming down the pipe 
for for uh, for me because of that relationship built. So I, I want to take a little bit of a, a turn here um, and, and get. So it seems to be that's the way, Hassan, right? So you ask them all the legal questions. I ask them all the personal questions. There you go. We're, yeah. good, we're good with that. But I want to know more about uh, about why Growthcraft, right? So let's talk a little bit about your involvement with Growthcraft. You're, I mean, considering you're on the Growthcraft podcast, I mean, we might as well talk about that, right? Um, sure. But but what prompted you? What what got you involved? And what keeps you involved? Like what what about Growthcraft do you love or hate? Or and what what has attracted you? And, and why you're still there? Sure. Well. You know the 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 startup community, you know, emerging company space is is somewhat unique. Um, there, you know, there are tons of companies popping up every day, you know, all over the country, in more places than people suspect. You know, it's no longer just a, you know, Sand Hill Road, you know, Silicon Valley kind of kind of deal. Um, but you need to be somewhat plugged in, um, you know, to kind of keep up with you know trends, with you know meeting new clients, um, other potential advisors, and growth craft. Is a is a somewhat unique platform that you know solves or or you know fills a lot of those uh, those needs. It's a you know it's a it's a curated group of, of vetted, experienced advisors um, that are all looking to collaborate or you know collaboratively assist startups in their in their mission and their and their path forward. And so part of it's. Um, being able to you know get to know and 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 trust and tap those uh, other professional advisors in situations where a client has a need you know again whether it be you know accounting or you know valuation or you know tax etc um, um, you know so 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 building those relationships and and having uh, those advisors at the ready is is very important to me and you know part of it's giving back too you know a lot of a lot of uh, Folks that that come into Growthcraft are either thinking about starting a company or are on the very very early stages, and they haven't made the commitment either to, you know, take the step to incorporate or to bring in a founder. And it's sort of like, you know, what does all this look like? And you know, giving some high level advice and, and often encouragement, um, you know, to the community is it, it feels good, and and you're building credibility along the way. So for me, it's it's a you know it's a platform to to meet both fellow advisors, um, prospective clients, but even if they don't end up being clients, um, it's it's kind of a it's a it's a way to positively impact the space, I think, and to um, um, you know to kind of grow my brand as well. Yeah, and and you know, look when we think about how. Um, Growthcraft has developed both as a community and as a platform. Um, and as we are moving into, I mean, we just talked about this a couple episodes ago, but as we move into other spaces um, in um, in 2024, um, we explore other options for members. Um, it's going to become even more critical um, to have um, the types of relationships um, and the types of context for relationships that you're talking about um, and the types of, you know, advisors and consultants that are going to be able to help these, um, help these folks uh, be the best, well, not even, not even be the best, have the best outcomes that they possibly can, whatever that may mean for them, for their, uh, for their startup project. So very interesting for me to, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we'll host, uh, forums or, you know, gatherings and, you know, being involved in the, you know, the conversations with multiple founders at once to hear their perspective on things and their lessons learned is, is, you know, additional experience and, um, 
um, and is very interesting to me as well. You know, the way different teams tackle different problems, how they, you know, whether it be internal relationships or, you know, um, you know, sourcing the right, you know, folks to to develop their technology. You know, often it it's a it's a very productive way for everybody in the group to kind of uh, learn something or offer a referral or or you know um, you know a lesson learned. So. So typically at this point um, on the on the show, I don't. I mean, I have one other question, Tom. You got any other got any other thoughts you want to you want to lay out there no, before I? Uh... No, I, I think I think I'm pretty good. I think I think we can wrap it up a little bit. All right. So yeah, our, our typically our wrap up question here. Um, we typically ask folks, advisors and founders alike, um, what would you like to promote today, if anything? Um, or how can people check you out? How can people get a hold of you? Um, you know, if you have a website built, we know you're kind of in the startup stage yourself. Um, so where can people uh where can people get a hold of you if they want to connect with uh, with Charlie Pascal? Sure. So um Website is still being built. Um, I will uh, hopefully have an announcement on LinkedIn or, you know, uh, on Growthcraft, of course, um, soon to to launch that. I want to make sure it's it's in good shape and it's it's it represents, um, you know, what I'm offering and, and me um, to the world. But in the meantime, um, email and phone, I guess, are, are the best. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, just look up, you know, there aren't too many Charlie Pascals. But uh, my email is charlie at pascaladvisory.com. And my telephone is 203-280-3252. And if you don't remember any of that, just, I mean, you're at Growthcraft. So just check them out on Growthcraft. I'm on Growthcraft. We'll be happy to to make that that connection for you. Absolutely. Join the Growthcraft community. We'll be happy to get you uh, you connected to Charlie Pascal. And of course, we will have all the links to all the places where you can find Charlie in the show notes below the player of this podcast episode that you're listening or watching right now. Once again, I'd like to thank Charlie Pascal for coming on the Growthcraft podcast today. Always a pleasure. Pleasure's mine. Thanks for having me. And with that, we're out. Each second Thursday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, join Growthcraft live and in person at Second Thursdays at CIC, located at 1 Broadway, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Located at Kendall Square, CIC features the most engaging entrepreneurial community in the Northeast, right next to MIT and minutes from Harvard University and downtown Boston. With 250,000 square feet of professionally managed, flexible workspace, CIC has every office amenity you could possibly need to scale your startup project. For those of you who are local, or if you're just visiting Boston, Growthcraft advisors and founders can meet others in our community face-to-face. Join us for an informal social and informational get-together. Meet others, chat with advisors and peers, make connections, and then stay for Venture Cafe, starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, every second Thursday at CIC. Check out the links to the Growthcraft website to join us live and in person at Second Thursdays at CIC in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to uh, right now. And thanks.